The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. There were no video games when I first started getting in broadcasting. And then when I got the call saying they'd like to use my voice, I was like, well, how do you guys do that? And you know, I lived down in West Palm at the time. And I'm going to fly out to California, Northern California. And they brought me out. And they had a studio in Oakland. And I, I basically stood in the studio for three days saying things like, ball two, curveball outside, pop to third. Hello, everybody. I'm Dave O'Brien. And hi, I'm Chuck Valencius. Welcome to Chicago. We've got a great game lined up for you today. It's the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Chicago Cubs. It's overcast. It was a great experience. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'll ever do that again. It's one to put in the check box and say, okay, that was pretty cool to be a part of that. But I'm glad I did it. Lifted high into the air. To the track, to the wall. It's oh, gone. Oh. Home run. That ball was destroyed. For the last few months, your only option to hear Dave O'Brien doing that is if you dug up an old copy of High Heat Major League Baseball, which is retailing for $13.23 on eBay right now, by the way. But you don't have to do that because the voice of the Boston Red Sox is back this week, and so is baseball. Welcome to Talk Back. I'm Cooper Boardman. MLB will be the first major American sports league to make its re-debut. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday, baseball's back tomorrow. The wait over, and three people who live the sport join us this week on Talk Back. We've got O'Brien, a 1986 Syracuse alum now with the Red Sox, Robert Ford, radio voice of the Houston Astros, and Jeff Passan, MLB insider for ESPN. If you followed the negotiations, the complaints, the guarantees that there would, then wouldn't be baseball this year, you've probably at some point followed Jeff Passan. The 2002 SU grad's been all over every part of the sports return. And now we sit here looking at something way different than what we're used to, 162 now 60. Teams only going to play against their division and their NL counterpart. So Jeff Passan, in your mind, what's different about this year? Oh, every game is three times as important. I mean, you know, a five-game uh, five winning streak in a 60-game season is equivalent to a 14-game winning streak in a 162-game uh, season. A three-game losing streak. Nothing, right? In a 60-game season is equivalent to an eight-game losing streak in a 162-game season. It changes the calculus significantly. There's just less margin for error at this point. It's why I think in the end, health is going to be the thing that guides winning teams. Um, there, There is going to be a baseball team this year that is universally considered just okay. That makes the playoffs simply... I did to stay healthy. That is my bold prediction for 2020. Yeah, it makes sense. A hot and a healthy start means the teams that might not have had a chance can get in, and that works both ways. If you're a World Series favorite, injuries or an early losing streak could keep you from even getting to October. Robert Ford, SU class of 2001, is the radio voice for a World Series favorite the Houston Astros. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Jose Altuve, a walk-off two-run homer. And the Astros beat the Yankees 6-4. to Win the ALCS. 
four games to two. In all likelihood, that roar you just heard behind Ford won't be there this year, which is just one of many reasons why this season is completely unique for everyone, including broadcasters. Obviously not traveling and doing road games from Houston off of TV monitors. That's going to be different. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure what else is really, I mean, I'm sure there are going to be lots of other things that are going to be different. That's going to be something I've never done. I mean, we all joke about games we've done in places that didn't draw well, but that's still not the same as no fans. You know, even, you know, 200 fans is different than no fans. Uh, so that's going to be unique, but I'm, I'm going to embrace it. I mean, this is what I do, and uh, this is our job. This is, you know, we're supposed to find a way to uh, be informative and be entertaining and, and present games to people. And, it's going to be different this year than it ever has been in a year in my career, but I'm looking forward to it, and um, I'm going to embrace this challenge and, and make the best of it. That is the sentiment you're hearing from everybody. This is what we got, so we might as well enjoy it. And you can understand that. This is the same sport that looked completely dead about a month ago. But like everything in this world that we live in, its awakening comes against the backdrop of a pandemic. See what new Astros GM James Click said the other day. Quote, I really do think that whichever team has the fewest cases of coronavirus is going to win. End quote. And think about that. I mean, that's enough to say, what are we doing here? It's a very real conflict of emotion. In 2007, Dave O'Brien was doing games for ESPN. He was basically following Barry Bonds' chase for baseball's home run record amidst the steroid investigation. This is a very, very different conflict in 2020. But it's still the job of the broadcaster to encapsulate everything that's going on. I felt like uh, America was not on board. Uh, mm. Barry was, you know, certainly accused and alleged to be uh, a massive steroid user. And, you know, performance-enhancing drugs were attributed to his success, not, not his talent. And I think the tone in the country was they could care less that Barry Bonds was breaking this record. Mm. The only place that really cared was San Francisco, California. <laughs> so I think if, if you listen to my call on ESPN that night. Bassick's 3-2 again. This is swinging a hot fly ball right center field. Back it goes. Racing back. Logan jumping up on that ball is gone. Number 756. Barry Bonds stands alone. And on the night of August 7, 2007, in San Francisco, California, Barry Lamar Bonds has hit more home runs than any major leaguer in the history of baseball. I think, you know, I was required to do the right thing, which is reflect how the rest of the country was feeling about Barry Bonds and about, uh, you know, the, the steroid situation. So it was, it was probably the toughest broadcast moment I've ever had. To be honest with you. And it's not to say that's close to the same situation as a pandemic that's changed every part of the world. But in sports little corner of it, a broadcaster like O'Brien has to think about what they're saying to the thousands of people who sit down on their couch to watch an empty ballpark every night. Anybody's broadcast, and it doesn't matter if it's baseball, hockey, basketball, whatever, football. I think everyone will will have an eye and ear toward what's happening in the country. Uh, and what's happening around the world uh, with COVID in particular. And it will have a place in our broadcast. But, 
my own opinion is that this is where people want to come to get away from too much talk about the problems that we're all having. It, there is escapism in sports. It's, it's a big reason we love it so much. It's, it's a chance to just, you know, kick back, have a beverage, relax, watch guys play whatever the sport is at a very, very high level and enjoy it and not worry about your daily problems. Um, so I, I think it's incumbent on us in our broadcast to make sure we we set that tone as well, you know, we're going to have to talk about it because players are going to be leaving lineups. Players are going to be leaving their cities as they get sick moving along. I mean, you can almost bet on it; it's going to happen, especially when teams begin to travel. Someone's probably going to get COVID at some point. Someone's probably going to get ill. So we're going to have to talk about that. That's why they have the taxi squads. But I think at the end of the day, we're not going to overdo it. It's not going to be part of every conversation. It's not going to really be a huge part of the broadcast very on purpose, because I don't think that's why people, you know, in our case, they want to see the Red Sox. They're not getting a very long season. They're only getting 60 games. They want to see Rafi Devers swing the bat. You know, they want to see a Nate Baldy fastball explode and, and not bog it down with, you know, a, a lot of the, the problems of life. That's not our job necessarily. That's, I think that's how we see it. If you've joined us over the last few weeks on TalkBack about hockey, about basketball, you've heard this a few times. Sports are an escape in part because they provide this communal experience. The first exhibition between the Yankees and the Mets drew a 4.4 TV rating in New York. For reference, if you combined ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox for the same time in the same place, they only got a 3.9. And this everyone watches, everybody cares isn't just about baseball either. It's something Jeff Passan was introduced to when he left Ohio for Syracuse. If you walked by Donovan McNabb on the quad, you were like, holy that was Donovan McNabb. If you saw Donovan McNabb at Shine or on South Campus, you were like, holy that's Donovan McNabb. There was a concert, I think it was on South Campus, at the end of my freshman year. I'm pretty sure it was Sugar Ray. You know, the I just want to fly. So have you ever heard that song before? Probably not. But at the time, people liked that song. And Sugar Ray was on campus, and I remember being there, and... Donovan McNabb was there, and it was like, uh, it was a whole big deal. Like, he was, he was the guy. That was a first introduction to big-time college athletics for Passon, of which there are plenty of perks, including the annual Media Cup basketball game in the Dome between Passon's Daily Orange and O'Brien's WAER. I don't think my, I think I was one of three, but honestly, it really didn't matter what happened at the Media Cup. We always, like, significantly, easily, and convincingly outdrank the AER people after the game, which really, to us, was what mattered. We may not have been the best athletes, but we definitely were better in the area that mattered most, which, of course, when you're in college, is consuming large amounts of alcohol. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I'd probably drop 22, you know, 
22 and 8, something like that, with a couple of dimes. But I have no idea. But there's a picture somewhere uh, of a group of us uh, from that particular era. Now, we're talking about 84, 85, 86, 87, that, that particular group of guys. And you wouldn't believe it. I mean, some of the guys in that photograph are guys like Dan Roach, who is now a big star in Boston at WBZ. He's the evening sports anchor. Uh, does a tremendous job. Dan's in that picture. Tariko's in that picture. Bill Roth is in that picture, who is the voice of Virginia Tech football and basketball, and later UCLA for a hundred years. I mean, there were a lot of really, really gifted guys in there. Not necessarily gifted at basketball, <laughs> uh, as, as I remember, but it was it was a terrific group of guys. Now we used to get together on a regular basis at Dan Roach's apartment on campus. And, you know, he he was a big horse racing guy. So he talked a lot of gambling and, you know, you learned a few things you didn't know there. Uh, you know, not, not things your mom and dad were paying your tuition for you to learn. But it was a it was a terrific place to uh, for me to go to school and make friends who became really lifelong friends of mine, you know, who were on the radio station. And at that time, I was working not only at WAER, I was working downtown at WSYR Radio. So I would work weekends there uh, and get paid, and the rest of the week I was on AER not getting paid, but you know, getting a chance to do sports, which was far more important. Those experiences, running downtown for your internship, calling games into a tape recorder in the corner of the dome, they're formative ones. You work with your friends, and eventually you dream of getting the call. For Robert Ford, the call from the Astros came while he was working as the pre-postgame host for the Kansas City Royals. I remember getting a phone call in early December, I was at the radio station in Kansas City getting ready to do uh, a show, uh, one, a Royals hot stove show. Um, and um, I remember I was in the sound booth and I got a call and it was the HR director for the Astros and told me that they were interested in, in talking to me further about uh, the Astros radio job. And uh, I remember at that point, I knew that the Astros had sent out rejection letters to people who had applied and I hadn't gotten one. So I was wondering, you know, it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, am I going to get a rejection letter or did I move forward? And sure enough, I get the call from the Astros and they flew me in uh, for a day um, of interviews. I interviewed with about 13 different people. Uh, some of them were group interviews, so it wasn't like 13 separate interviews, but interviewed with, you know, everybody from people in the marketing department to uh, Jim Crane, the team owner, and uh, George Pistolos, who was the team president at the time, uh, and it was it was just a whirlwind uh, because you know you want to try so hard to make a good impression, but also like this was the first time I'd ever interviewed with a major league team, and I didn't know if it was going to be the last time I interviewed with a major league team. Uh, so I remember after the the process was over, going to the airport to fly back to Kansas City and not really knowing what to make of all of it. Um, but sure enough, in January. Uh, about a month later, uh, the Astros let me know that I was uh, uh, still a finalist. And uh, remember Jim Crane, the team owner, wanted to talk to me further, basically to ask me, why should I hire someone with no major league experience? And can you do this? Um, and I told him, you should hire me. And yes, I can do this in so many words. And uh, um, a few weeks after that, I, they offered me a contract. And um, that was how this all started. Sometimes you're looking for the job, and sometimes the job looks for you. And that was the case for Jeff Passan, who after over a decade with Yahoo Sports, joined ESPN at the start of last year. 
Passan's impact at ESPN, especially of late, goes well beyond the stories he filed. He's become this trusted voice throughout the uncertainty of the pandemic. Jeff Passan back on the program. Those two pieces of information that uh, they want to know baseball's answers to, Jeff, what will they be? The answers, Scott, look like they're going to be okay. We will report on July 1st. And yes, we will codify the health and safety protocol. And I say this with the same caveat that I have said month after month. After He's on SportsCenter, on Twitter, and everywhere else you could possibly imagine. But that jump to ESPN a year earlier wasn't an easy choice. It was not one that I took lightly at all. It was not this idea, oh my God, ESPN is calling. I have to jump at this and take it because... I had nearly a decade and a half with Yahoo. Uh, I had a decade and a half of comfort. I had a decade and a half of uh, relationships. I had a decade and a half of you know capital built up, and it's like starting from scratch is scary. It gets back to like that first day of college. You have no idea what you're getting into. You have no idea what the people are actually like, how they're going to treat you, what you, what they're going to think of you. Uh, how you're going to fit in. And as much as I like to think that I'm, I'm going to fit in those places and be a good teammate and be a value add, you never know the way that things are going to work out. So uh, it was it was something that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about. But in the end, it was the right thing to do. And, and I'm not saying that because... Uh, because it feels like the right thing now. I'm saying that because I consider it the same way that I consider all decisions. You weigh the risk, you weigh the reward, and, and you make the best decision with what you what you know and what you believe and uh, what you've learned in life. And, and even if it doesn't work out, that doesn't make it a wrong decision. And even if it does work out, that doesn't make it the right decision. Um, it's just happened... I think, thankfully, that it has been the right decision, and I think it's worked out pretty well. I think it has, too. And as for baseball's decision, we don't know if it's the right decision for now, no matter what happens. And that is what's on the mind of the people around the game, the ones sitting in the boots and the press boxes everywhere, including Houston. I mean, I'm looking forward to, to getting back to work, but by the same token, I recognize how difficult it's going to be to complete a, a season and a postseason uh, with uh, the, some of the, the coronavirus numbers spiking. Uh, you know, I live in Houston where there, there's been a, a, an increase the last few weeks of, of cases. And, you know, these things are very alarming. Um, and, you know, the, a lot of the, the people who study such things have talked about a so-called second wave maybe happening uh, in the fall or winter. So we may not be out of the woods with this for a while. Uh, so that's that's all very concerning to me, and it's something that I I, I, I have to think about because I know that um, it, it could it could affect my job, it could affect the baseball season. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to calling games, but I'm also a little apprehensive with everything that's going on, and, and kind of wondering, like I think a lot of us are, uh, how much of the season is actually going to be played, and, and whether. Uh, baseball is going to be able to pull this off. That's the question being asked across every single sport, but especially baseball for a couple of reasons. Major League Baseball's first pitch is going to be thrown by Max Scherzer before anyone in the NBA or NHL 
takes a shot. And unlike both of those leagues, there is no bubble. Peel open the 2020 MLB operations manual, comes out this week, and look under the tab that reads, Away from the field. There it says, No formal restrictions. MLB will expect the covered individuals on each club to ensure that they all act responsibly. And that is just one part of it all. Thanks for joining us for our 16th episode, and a reminder to subscribe to TalkBack on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a big, big thank you to Dave O'Brien, to Jeff Passan, and Robert Ford for their time. This was a WAER Sports podcast produced and reported on by Carl Moglein, along with other reporting done by Jaron May and Corey Berberian. I'm Cooper Boardman. We'll talk to you next week.